You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to another edition of Crunch Time right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111 as we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios. Here in Upper Lafayette, EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The LSU Tigers did not win an SEC championship, but they are hosting a regional. Surprised? You probably shouldn't be. One thing you might be surprised about, though... The Louisiana Raging Cajuns are taking their talents to South Beach. We'll talk about the Coral Gables Regional. We'll look at the Baton Rouge Regional as well. And much more in terms of the college baseball realm. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns softball season ending up in the Pacific Northwest over the season. We'll, over the weekend, we'll break that down as well. And the NBA Finals are set, and it does not include... James Mesh's Boston Celtics. Speaking of the man with better hair than me, James, happy Tuesday. How are you, sir? You brought it back with that one. I lied. <laughs> that was a false statement. That's not false at all. But Okay. How are you, sir? I was doing good. You were doing good? Yeah. Uh, what, until I drug you in the mud talking about how your Celtics are out? That and making fun of me <laughs> during the two-minute drill. <laughs> And then even last night with the with the Celtics just laying a big old egg. Let's have like a two minute conversation about the Celtics before I get to the baseball stuff. That's like two minutes too long. I mean, fair. How? Why? Why do? Why do the Celtics do this to us? <laughs> they start off playing like crap. Uh-huh. They go down three zero. Yeah. And then they pull off this magical comeback, including an unthinkable layup by Derek White. Nice tip in. Saturday night. Like, what did I just watch kind of moment? And then lay an absolute egg at home for Game 7. Guess what, Matt? Welcome to being a Celtics fan. I'm not one, and I will <laughs> never be one. Hey, you were cheering for him last night, though. I was. Because I, I don't want to see Miami in the championship. But now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown sucking last night leaves us no choice. Um, so, bravo, Boston. Great job. So now it's the Nuggets and the Heat, which the Nuggets will win in five. But anyways. See, this is, see, this is the issue. You did this with the Celtics, and you said the Celtics were going to win in five. And look what happened. Look, it's going to go a lot farther than you think it is. I don't know, man. It's it's Denver we're talking about here. Yeah, but know. everyone's been counting out the heat since the play-in tournament. It'll it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, Miami, the first eight seed to reach the NBA Finals. But no, getting back to college baseball, it was a wild weekend for both of our local teams. LSU obviously fighting through the SEC tournament. Uh, they they fell just short at, at the hands of Texas A&M, but 
you didn't really need the SEC tournament. We talked about that most of the week last week. You didn't need to have success in the SEC tournament to dictate how your postseason was going to go. You were locked in regardless. You were hosting regardless. And more likely than not, you were a top eight seed regardless. Uh, LSU coming in as the number five seed. They will host a regional in Baton Rouge with Oregon State, Sam Houston, and Tulane joining them. Now, if you haven't paid much attention to baseball this year, a couple weeks ago we talked about how bad Tulane was. And if you look at their record, they're, they're not they're not much better. Coming into this NCAA regional at 19-40. and 40. But... They got hot the one week that it matters. Because here's the thing. If you're in a conference like the American, where all but two teams get in, or, or in some conference cases, everybody gets in to the conference tournament, it doesn't really matter what you do February to early May. What matters is that one week towards the end of May. You play well that one week, you're in good shape. And that's exactly what happened with Tulane. They had an up-and-down year, went into the tournament with close to 40 losses. They ran through the table, won the tournament, and now they're in a regional. I mean, look, you, you got to give the Green Wave credit for realizing what they needed to do and go and get it done. But the question that a lot of people have asked is how bad is the American Conference if Tulane pulled this off? That question is going to get answered on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock in Baton Rouge because Tulane's welcoming gift to the NCAA tournament is the number 5 nationally ranked LSU Tigers. Yikes. We'll see. That'll be a good game. Uh, it, it typically is the, the, the in-state battles, especially in the postseason. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, the UL-LSU Super Regional was incredible. So definitely looking for more of the same. Speaking of the Raging Cajuns, James, last week you and I talked as they headed into the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and they got that first win over Texas State 6-1. to one. And you beat them for the fourth time, which we talked about how incredibly hard that was going to be to do. And then you got team, you got matched up with Coastal Carolina, and you said, "Man, if they could just get that one win against Coastal, they're in good shape." And they didn't. They lost six to three in a battle. It was a good game. So then you go down the losers bracket and you play Texas State again. again. How hard is it to beat a team five times? Well, if you beat them four times, ask ask Mad Dags and the Cajuns because they did it. They won twelve to six on Friday night, and then so that sets up probably the most daunting task this team has faced all season long. You have to play Coastal Carolina and beat them twice to get to the Sun Belt Conference Championship game. Well, the Cajuns got the first one 7-3. to three. 
and turned around four hours later and beat them four to one, which set them up with a championship game with Southern Miss. Now, beating a top 10 team twice in a day does a lot for your RPI. So going into the championship game on Sunday, it was doesn't really matter what the Cajuns do, they're in. You lost to Southern Miss 6-2 to in the championship game. But then you look around the rest of the league, the rest of the country, Tulane wins the American, so ECU's going to steal an at-large bid. Charlotte wins Conference USA, so Dallas Baptist is going to steal a bid. And so on and so forth. And you, you kind of started to question if there was even going to be a spot for the Raging Cajuns. Well, come to find out, they're headed to Coral Gables, Florida as the three seed in the Miami Regional, along with, of course, the Hurricanes, the Texas Longhorns, and the Maine Black Bears. LSUL will play Texas Friday afternoon at 1 p.m., at Alex Rodriguez Park in Coral Gables. Look, I'm not going to say that this is impossible because when you get to the postseason, that's just not a thing anymore. Uh, ask Coastal Carolina seven years ago. Impossible is just not a thing. But this is not going to be an easy road for either Jay Johnson or Mad Dex's team. Because if you look at LSU, Oregon State's in their regional. Sam Houston's in their regional. We just talked about how hot Tulane is coming into this regional. And if they get out of it, well, they're paired with the Lexington regional. Kentucky, West Virginia, Indiana, Ball State. All four of those teams, very good. So if LSU gets to a Super, which I believe that they will, it's not going to be an easy road to get to Omaha. And then once you get to Omaha, God, all bets are off at that point. You're going to be playing the eight best teams in college baseball. James, looking at the Cajuns first, what is your likelihood that they make it out of Coral Gables and into a Super Regional? You first got to play the Longhorns, and then you got to probably play Miami. You would play the winner of Miami. So, if you, but yeah, you, you would either play Miami or Maine. But I correct. would probably have to say Miami would win that matchup against Maine. Correct. I'd probably have to give this like a thirty percent, thirty-five. You're giving the Cajuns thirty percent to get out of Coral Gables. I give it to them. It's a it's a tough one. I'm gonna go a little lower. Okay. I'm going to say 20. Okay. Uh, I mean, Miami's a top 10 baseball team. Right. Um, now, you I proved, mean, there's a reason why they're hosting. You, you proved that you could beat a top 10 baseball team. You beat Coastal twice. But. And you beat LSU. You're going to go into a very hostile environment and try to beat a historically good baseball program. That's not going to be easy to do. So, and, and look, Texas is not going to be. An, an easy feat to overcome. So this is going to be a tough road. I, I don't again. I don't think it's impossible, but twenty percent seems to be about my number. Um, now in LSU's case, are, are we saying it's a it's a pretty well known fact that they're going to get out of Baton Rouge? 
I wouldn't give it a guarantee, but I, they have definitely the best chances of the four. I'm going to go 90%. I was going to give it about 80-85. I'm going to go 90 Um they they are the better team in this regional and it's not quite close because they're gonna they're more likely not gonna win, but I do worry that you're gonna see some moments in those games where you're like, ooh, I mean we've seen it in the regular season and we're still gonna see it in regional play and we saw it in the SEC tournament that two lane game on Friday afternoon is going to be very intriguing because again. They might be 19 and 40, but I would argue that they're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now because of the momentum that they just picked up in the American tournament. And their fans are going to travel because they're only going 60 miles to the west, if it's even that far. So there's going to be a lot of Green Wave fans there. There's going to be more Tigers fans, obviously, but yeah, I, I I think that this is a game that Tulane feels like they can win. And if they start LSU off with a loss, that just makes things that much more interesting as you head into the weekend. Uh, obviously, LSU's game Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. You can hear it right here on the game pregame beginning at 1.30. And again, the Cajuns will play the Texas Longhorns, Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock. 4.15, almost 4.16. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. When we return, hear from both Jay Johnson and Matt Deggs. Plus, we'll recap the Cajun softball trip up to Seattle for their Super Regional battle with Washington right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The defending World Series champs are starting to warm up, and you can see them live in person. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday, June 17th, and you can be there by registering in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 420. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Talking about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the LSU Tigers as they prepare for their regional fate. Also, Tulane will be in the Baton Rouge Regional and another in-state school headed to the NCAA tournament is the Nichols Colonels. They will head to Tuscaloosa and take on the Crimson Tide on Friday afternoon as well. But looking at the Cajuns, after the announcement was made yesterday, head coach Matt Deggs met with the media, and he said, you know, there's two ways to get in. You can get in as a conference champ, or you can get in as an at-large. He said it's almost better to be in as an at-large. 
Uh, it's really cool that, you know, uh, in a lot of ways, and I was saying this on the bus last night, not knowing if we were in or not, but uh, in a lot of ways, sometimes it's cooler getting in at large than it is one in your conference tournament. And because that's a sign of respect and uh, it's a, a judgment on your body of work. And it has been since 2013. And I was fortunate to be a part of that ball club, uh, which led to 14. And I tell you what, what just happened in that clubhouse a few minutes ago was just just organic eruption of, of six months of emotion and really longer than that. And uh, for a lot of us, two years uh, together, not wanting to let go. You know, since April 23rd, we've been fighting uphill. And anytime you're in a fight or a battle, uh, you always want to be in the highlands and you always want to have the high ground. And we've we've fought from a disadvantage since for about the last six weeks since we got swept by JMU. And like I told the guys a little while ago, take a deep breath because the, the playing field is leveled back off for you now. Uh, everybody's 0-0. And uh, we're fighting from a position uh, just like everybody else is now. It has been a long, hard uphill climb uh, to get ourselves in a position to become an at-large. And, you know, our... That's a testament to these these kids and, and how they were raised and where they come from and uh, their belief that they're just never out of the fight ever. And their mentality is they just outlast people. And I'll be danged if that's what they haven't done. Head coach Matt Deggs also talked about their path in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament to get where they are now. Yeah, I think the pitch and emerging and, and, and realizing what they really are capable of and continuing to work. See, this team since April 23rd, uh, uh, they were written off a lot and <laughs> talked ugly about a lot. And here's the thing, we don't pay no attention to that stuff. And we just stuck together and we believed in ourselves and we bet on ourselves and just kept walking by faith and favor. And you look up and you have an opportunity. And to answer the first part, the opportunity, and I explained this two weeks or last week, the opportunity was you get coastal twice, right? If y'all remember, we talked about winning the tournament or we laid out one other scenario, and that was to win a game, lose a game, and get to play coastal twice and lose to USM. And I'll be danged if that's not the way it worked out, but we knew we had that opportunity. And the hardest one's going to be the first one, right? And so they go up three to nothing on you. And, it, hey, look, they call them up because it was they, – they had a lot of energy over there. Coastal did. And we were able to have one big inning, and that was enough. And then a hero emerged in Blake Marshall. Once again, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will play Texas Friday at 1 o'clock. Quickly flipping over to softball, Cajun softball, battled with Washington over the weekend – and, look, I'm not going to say that the Cajuns didn't play well because I don't know that that's true. I think they may have just been a little outmatched uh, by Washington. The offense came to play for Washington, especially later on in the game, because uh, both of these contests were pitcher's duels for the first three or so innings. Uh, Friday Friday evening, Ruby Malin and Sam Landry were both just fantastic for three innings. And then in the fourth, Washington's offense 
woke up. An RBI ground rule double, a two-run homer, a single, and then a two-run homer. Next thing you know, it's 5 nothing. And then in the fifth, a two-run single made it 7 nothing, and then the RBI walk-off single to make it 8 nothing. the walk-off in the fifth. The thing with the Cajuns was you got base runners on, but you couldn't get them around. You only got two base hits Friday night, but you were walked four times. You left eight runners on base and just could not get them in. Uh, so, so that was the issue on Friday night, and then you looked at Saturday afternoon and you thought that maybe this game would, would go a little bit better. It was a back-and-forth battle again. This time it was for five innings. Through five innings, the game was still 0-0, and it, it was more of the same. Louisiana had a better offense. They were getting more runners on base. They were getting more base hits, but again, not doing anything with them. Uh, but probably one of the craziest plays that I have seen, James, the Cajuns were the home team in this second game, so they were batting in the bottom half of the innings. Washington scores in the top of the sixth to make it one nothing, And then in the top of the seventh, Brooklyn Carter comes in to pinch run for Washington, and she's their leading base dealer. And she moves over to second on a ground out, Advanced to third on a passed ball. And then, with two outs, and she's still on third. James, she stole home and made it. The The crazy thing was, right as Sophie Piscos threw it back to Sam Landry, she took off. And by the time Sam Landry realized what was happening... And threw it back to Sophie. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Carter's hand was already gliding across home plate. There was absolutely nothing the Cajuns could do. It was an incredible decision by Washington to, to steal her from third to home, get the second run, and the Cajuns were just not able to respond there at the end as the Huskies brought in Ruby Malin to shut the door. Uh, but look, I, I can't say enough about this Raging Cajuns softball team finishing the year 50 and 16. They only have three seniors. Two of them were pitchers. Technically, you could argue that three of them were pitchers. Carly Heath was a was a two-way player. But now you only have two juniors. And then you have eight sophomores and nine freshmen. So this team that won 50 games and made its first super in seven years, is only losing three players. That's insane to think about. And 17 of the, their players are underclassmen. The future for Jerry Glasgow's program is incredibly strong. So congrats to them on an incredible season Going back over to LSU baseball, though, now, as they prepare to host their Baton Rouge Regional on Friday, Jay Johnson met with the media. As the SEC set a record this year. Eight of the 16 hosts are from the Southeastern Conference. Jay Johnson was asked if he was surprised that there were eight hosts from the SEC. 
after going through that schedule? Absolutely not. Um, and you know, the RPI, love it, hate it, is there for a reason. And um, you have to have something to measure things on. And again, I'm a PE major that you know cannot figure out the equations. I understand that it's 1.3 for a road win. It's only 0.7 for a road loss. I understand that it's 0.7 for a home win and 1.3 for a home loss. It's one win for a neutral win. It's one loss for a neutral. I understand that 50% of your RPI comes from your opponent's winning percentage. So uh, looking at our schedule this year, our schedule benefited us greatly when you look at Central Connecticut State, Samford, Iowa, Sam Houston State, uh, Kansas State, who was just shortly out of the field, had a very good year. Um, and so our non-conference deal really helped us. And um, so I think I'm always going to try to set us up that way. And then you have the built-in um, the built-in SEC out-of-conference winning percentage, which I think we broke a record for any conference in any year this year for out-of-conference winning percentage. And, you know, you look at teams like, uh, you know, Mississippi and Mississippi State, and I said this, uh, you know, you put them in any other league in America, and they're probably not finishing any worse than third. And I, I really believe that with the respect that I have for those programs and those coaches. And this is a tough deal. And so when it's as challenging as it is, it's not a surprise to see that. Jay Johnson also talked about the selection process to get into the NCAA tournament, saying nothing about being selected is guaranteed. It's not a given to be in the, NCAA, in the NCAA tournament. It's not a given to be in the NCAA tournament. So I'm very proud of our team for that step. Uh, we want to obviously win a national championship. You can't win a national championship unless you're in the field. Um, and so that's the, always the first step is to, to be in the field. Um, I think it's a noteworthy accomplishment of, of this group uh, to be the first LSU team to host a regional since 2019 and the first to be a national seed since 2017. Um, again, those aren't givens. Um, you know, and um, they were very consistent, you know, throughout the year and um, earned that opportunity. Um, so this is a reward, and um, that's how they have to play it like that. You know, they want to accomplish everything, but being in the right mindset um, is how you do that, and I'm very confident that. 431, we'll take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us when we return to talk Cajuns headed to Miami right here on the game. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, hope you're ready to get back on the road, sir. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty quick turnaround because uh, we're leaving again tomorrow. Got home uh, yesterday at about two, 4 o'clock, and uh, yeah. We'll be out of here tomorrow. So just enough time to wash the clothes and pack it all up again, right? The the, the clothes are washed. All I have to do is fold them and pack them, and uh, then whenever they tell me to go to the airport, I'll go. What was your reaction when, when you saw the announcement that the Cajuns were headed to Miami? Well, you know, we were on I-65 uh, driving home from Montgomery. We didn't come back right after the game Sunday, and um, – you know, Craig um, Malonsaw had um, he had it on his the, the ESPN telecast on his phone, and I had it hooked up to my radio so I could listen to the audio. And um, when they when they put Troy in Tuscaloosa, 
I went, ooh, that means they might put Southern Miss in Baton Rouge, and if that's the case, we might be in some trouble. Well, the last damn thing I expected was for Miami to come up and have, have our name there. But um, they started unveiling um, Miami, and before ESPN could say it, uh, Craig screamed out Louisiana, and uh, I, I managed not to wreck the car. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was certainly a a shock to to a lot of people to see the the Cajuns headed to Coral Gables. But you know, when when you look at the Cajuns' resume and the work that they had put together, especially the, this past week in Montgomery, it was going to be hard to leave them out of that field of 64. I know they were they were named as one of the last four teams in. Uh, you know, how close do you think they truly were to not being in the tournament? Well, they were the next to last team in. Um, and, you know, I, I thought, you know, the resume was there. There was not a question that the resume was there. But when Xavier and Tulane and Charlotte all stole bids, that knocked three at-large teams out of the pool. And, you know, D1 Baseball said, you know, late Sunday night that, that the Cajuns were going to be one of the ones knocked out. So I knew it was going to be close, but I knew the resume was there. I just didn't know what those stolen bids were going to do. Um, and I was, um, I was obviously very happy uh, when the name came up. I don't care if it's Miami. They could have sent us to Miami. They could have sent us to Stanford. They could have sent us to Patasa. I, I, I don't care. Okay, Cajuns are going to play baseball this weekend, and I'm happy about that. How important is it for this team you know, now the second straight year that they head to a regional, how important is it for this team to get back to that consistency of, of playing in a regional every year? Well, you know, okay, first of all, let's let's take a deep breath and understand. 97 to 2000, the Cajuns went to regionals four years in a row. 13 to 16, they did the same thing. Those are the only two times they've gone as much as two years in a row. All right? So let's not act like this is a normal thing. It's not. And that's why I think this needs to be celebrated. You made it last year because you won the conference tournament. You made it this year as an at-large. That's a big step forward for this program. And, you know, we... You talk all night long about, you know, oh, we get too many people thrown out and you know, I, I don't like the way they manage the pitching staff. And, and you know what? Shut up. You know, it's this team. Look, there were some Cajun fans that quit on this team, Matt. And you can go back to the message boards and see who they are. They quit on this team. But you know who didn't quit on this team? Matt Deggs didn't quit on this team. The coaching staff didn't quit on this team. And this team didn't quit on itself. And so... You know, despite the fact that, you know, they, they, there are a lot of series that they had hoped to win that they didn't, they went to the conference tournament and they got four solid RPI wins. Texas State, who was in the 50s, and Coastal Carolina, who was in the top 15. And uh, that strengthened their resume enough to where they got in. And by the way, did you catch my Patasa reference? Do you know where Patasa is? I don't. 
It's a suburb of Eunice. Well, okay. Um, you, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that I would ever envision D1 college baseball getting played in, in Eunice, Jay. But Well, I didn't say Eunice. I said Patasa. Anyways. You know, Jay, looking at last year's tournament, you, you talked about winning the conference championship and getting into a regional last year in College Station. We spent all off season and, and most of this season talking about Jacob Schultz's performance against Texas State last year. The 142 <laughs> pitch yeah. complete uh-huh. game. Yeah, uh, Blake Marshall said, hold my beer. I was, I was about to say, let, let's talk about Blake Marshall for a minute. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, Jacob Schultz had been, you know, a pretty reliable starter all year long. You know, but to have him go out and throw 142 pitches and beat the team that he beat, right? Because uh, Texas State was awfully good. And then for Marshall to come in and and do that that thing uh, in the in the seven to three Cajun win, and then to come back a few hours later and do it again against the same team that's had a chance to see him, uh, I don't know that any of us saw that coming. Especially when you look at Marshall's performances during the year, he wasn't really asked to go multiple innings a lot of times this year. And for him, you know, he, he winds up throwing 10 scoreless innings. I mean, that's, you know, I saw his dad, Jimmy, after the game. And, you know, it was a nice, cool evening. I mean, the weather at Montgomery was just beautiful. And um, it was a nice, cool evening. And I saw his dad after the His dad was just drenched in sweat. And I said, boy, he must be somebody's daddy. Um, but it, it was it was an amazing performance. And for Gary Gilmore to say the things that he did about Marshall, after the game, Blake needs to go uh, cut out that article and frame it because that's an icon of college baseball paying Blake Marshall a huge compliment. Chatting with the voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker here for Cajuns Corner. Uh, re- real quickly, Jay, uh, Cajuns softball falling at Washington over the weekend, a 50-win season with 17 underclassmen only losing three players uh, just talk about the run that the Cajuns went on and the future of this program. You know what sucks? Your season is going to end with a loss unless you win the national championship. Mm-hmm. And so the last taste you have in your mouth is the taste of defeat. And that kind of sucks because, you know, it, it you gotta you got to go back and it takes a little while before you can go back and you say, gee, what a season they had. Um, with as many underclassmen as they had, they had they had a chance uh, up in Washington. They just never could get a, a key hit. They stranded a lot of base runners uh, in those two games. But you know that does not take away from the fact that you won fifty games, that you won your conference championship, that you won your conference tournament, and that you won a regional on the road. Now, those are great accomplishments for this program. And, you know, the three that they're losing are going to be hard to replace because all three of them helped the team in the circle this year. Um, So, you know, we're going to watch Chloe Riazetta grow up. You know, we're going to see if uh, Tyler Oob and and then the the pitcher that redshirted this year, we're going to see how ready they are because Sam's not going to be able to do it by herself. Um, but they're, but they've also recruited, 
they're going to be really good again. Uh, but the fact that they did it with like seven freshmen and sophomores in the lineup, that's pretty doggone impressive. Jay, we'll wrap it up talking about Cajuns baseball again. Uh, you know, they opened the regional on Friday against Texas, 38 and 20 on the season, 15 and 9 in the Big 12. Uh, you know, just kind of talk about this matchup, what you think the Cajuns need to do in, in order to maybe put themselves in a winner's bracket game on Saturday. Don't worry about the tackle twill. And what I mean by that is, you know, if last year the Cajuns had to play the Big 12 regular season champion in the first round, and that was TCU and the Cajuns beat them. But there is something about that uniform that says Texas. Um, They've got the best baseball, historically, the best baseball resume that there is. And so I think you got to not worry about the tackle tool. You need to just go ahead and remind yourself that, once again, you're playing the regular season champion at Big 12. Well, big deal. You beat them last year. Um, and so I think you go if you go in with that attitude, uh, and I think that's exactly the attitude the Cajuns are going to have, then you're going to have a puncher's chance. Uh, Texas is good. Make no mistake about it. But um, But you know what? You know, the Cajun Bats, I thought, did a great job last year when the regionals came of finding a way to turn around good pitching. You know, Texas has got some guys who can really bring it. But guess what? Velocity's not been a problem for this Cajun team. So, you know, I obviously you've got to do some things pitching-wise to keep them from scoring a lot of runs because this is a very powerful Texas lineup. But... um Go play your game, man. You know, go play your game. Look, you've already beaten teams better than Texas. Because I'm telling you that ball club in Conway is better than Texas. I'm also telling you that ball club in Hattiesburg is probably better than Texas. So don't worry about the, the, the tackle twill and what it says on the chest. Just go out and play because you're good enough to win. And I, and I think that that will be the message that Matt Degg sends to his team. Cajuns baseball against the Horns Friday at 1 o'clock. Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns, joining us here for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy South Beach, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Dude, nobody wants to see me on South Beach. They'll only point and scream free willy. So, I know I, I ain't going. I ain't going. Oh, it, it's, it's never a dull moment with you, Jay. Well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Isn't this Absol- supposed to be entertaining? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. No charge, Miguez. No charge. Oh, one of the best in the business. Jay Walker joining us here for Cajun's Corner. We'll take a timeout, and we'll wrap up our number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app, and it is now your one-stop shop for all things Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today for your Apple or Android device by searching the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back as Varsha, looking up. See you later! 
your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up hour number one here in the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. What was the most surprising event of the weekend? Was it the Heat finally closing out the Celtics? Was it the Cajuns getting an at-large bid? Was it Tulane somehow winning the AAC tournament at 19-40, and 40, Matt? Or was it something else? Because right now, the Green Wave absolutely taking over the votes. As, as, as it, it should. probably should. Not uh, probably, it needs to. I mean... The, the idea of a 19-40 and 40 baseball team being in the NCAA tournament is mind-boggling to me. Now, I'm not saying change the rules. I, did, I believe that every conference champion deserves a spot in the NCAA tournament. I'm not asking for a rule change. But just to say the words, a team that lost double the game double the games that they won is playing for a national championship a little wild but i digress on that uh james it's it's time for your four minutes of torture look i I mean i didn't want to have to get to this point but um it is it is now time to discuss why to wallow in sadness to discuss why your boston celtics are as you like to say crappy I thought you were going to say doo-doo budgie. <laughs> I, was, I, I was going to refrain from from that. But, look, you started off poorly, and then you just kind of spent the rest of the game playing catch-up. I mean, that's kind of how it went. That's, that's pretty much an accurate statement for not just Game 7, but the whole series. Because you went down 0-3. And it looked like you were probably going to get swept after that performance from Game 3. But 4, 5, and 6, you finally figured it out. You almost had a classic Celtics choke in Game 6 until Derek White saves you on a tip-in with .2 seconds to go and gives yourself another chance back in Boston. But Game 7, I mean, with the basically the first play, Jason Tatum rolling his ankle and him describing it as he was a shell of himself. But at that point, well, yeah, you're going to lose. It doesn't matter if the rest of the guys were playing well, which most of them didn't play that great, especially shooting from three. It was another putrid game from behind the arc for the Celtics. When your five starters combine for 68 points, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Like if unless unless you just have an absolute heroic performance from somebody off the bench, then maybe you got a shot. But guess what? The highest point scorer off the bench was Rob. And when Rob you, got injured. Rob had to go because he had stomach issues. When you shoot 39% from the field, you are not going to win. And I, I couldn't even make a complaint about the free throw disparity because no. the Celtics shot 13, but it, the Heat only shot six. So it's like it's not like, if anything, the Celtics had more chances 
to make free throws because they got a lot more of them. But overall, I mean, Jalen Brown, it's weird because people are all of a sudden bad. They're dogging on him. And I mean, that's just kind of the highs and the lows of the NBA playoffs. If if you're having a bad series, you're going to hear it. But it's just crazy how it's all of a sudden Jalen Brown just doesn't know how to play basketball because he's dribbling it off his foot every time and can't dribble left. Whereas last year, a lot of people were saying, and even in in the in the regular season, people were saying Jalen Brown. They think he's better than Jason Tatum. Yeah, I mean that's just he had a cold series in the playoffs, and people are dogging him for it. Right. Um, it, it's just interesting how all of a sudden it. it it's so topsy-turvy. But the story of this series has to be Miami's development. And we'll dissect it more in hour number two because we're running out of time. Well, they, they completely flipped the switch between the regular season and the playoffs because now all of a sudden they can't miss a three, it feels like. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, all of these guys were either lower draft picks or undrafted, and Miami has created an NBA Finals team out of them. It's incredible what Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra have done in Miami. But hour number one in the books, hour number two, we're going to kick it off with a former Raging Cajun, plus we'll go to the moon right here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on our simulcast by going to Stadium at 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we recapped the weekend for college baseball. Got you set for the regionals this weekend for LSU, UL, Tulane, and McNeese. Or, or Nichols, excuse me, not McNeese. And we also talked about the Cajun softball team falling short in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, their first trip to a Super Regional since 2016. A bright future ahead for Jerry Glasgow and company. Here in hour number two, we're going to go to the moon talking all things Houston Astros with our guy Brian Lalima. That's about a half hour away. But right now, let's have a conversation with a former Ragin' Cajun offensive lineman, a current St. Thomas Moore offensive line coach, and the owner of Sassiabon Catering here in Lafayette. It's Mr. Shane Vallow. Shane, what's going on, man? How are you? How we doing, man? I'm good. How about Joe? Oh, doing fantastic. So before we get to the business, let, let's talk some football. Um, let, let's start with your time at Louisiana. Obviously, you were a part of that 2021 Sunbelt Conference Championship team. Talk about your time with the Cajuns and really, you know, talk about the program as a whole and the future you think that they're about to have. Well, man, I'll tell you what, man. My time with the Cajuns, uh, it was about, I had five years with the Cajuns and, um, when I first got in there, man, it was it was kind of rough. Uh, coming straight from high school, I walked on at UL. Um, was kind of trying to get used to everything, and you know, it was it was kind of hard on first. I wanted to give up a couple of times, but um, 
I kept pushing through, man, um, especially when Coach Napier and his staff came in. Uh, thing kind of changed the motive for me, and um, I felt like when, when Coach Napier came in, it was a different opportunity for me. So um, I took a took a change, and, uh, man, I lost. Uh, I was a big guy when I first came in with Coach Hood, and then lost 55 pounds, and, you know, I never played the, I never played center before in my life. Uh, I was an offensive guard and tackle in high school, uh, and when I lost all that weight, Coach Napier was like, man, we're going we're gonna to put you at center. And I was like, man, I don't, Coach, I don't know about that, man. I never snapped the ball before in my life. Um, and to this day, man, I think it was the best move uh, and the best best uh, opportunity I've ever had. Because from there, I became a three-year starter. Got put on four-hour scholarship after um, one of our, our starting center, Cole Putnam, had towards ACL in the summer. Um, and kind of just went in there, man, and not expecting, I mean, not expecting to, to start. And... You know, I just when I got the opportunity, I just never looked back, and I kept going. Um, but with that being said, man, we had a we had a great uh, great couple of seasons with Coach Napier, and you know, our last season we had was fantastic. Uh, but let's talk about the 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 the, the Cajuns now, man. I think uh, Coach Dez, man, Coach Dez is a great great coach, a great guy. He recruited me in high school, and he was part of the reason why I uh, wanted to go to UL. Um, but man, I think. You know, Coach Dez, his first year, he kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, it's kind of hard when you got um, you got your best offensive lineman who's an SEC player who leaves and goes to Florida. You got your best running back in the conference that also leaves and goes to Florida. Um, so, you know, I think some people overlook that and, and you know, they want to they wanna boot them already. But, I mean, you got to think, that, that was two huge pieces uh, to the puzzle. For the Cajuns, you know, and not not just that, man. We lost we lost a lot of guys that year. We lost our starting quarterback Levi. We lost. Not that I was anything special, but I, I left. Um, you know, and it was it was a bunch of guys who left that year and either went to NFL or you know just ended up graduating from college. So I think it's it's a rebuilding um, another rebuilding year. You know, last year I thought it was a rebuilding year, but it's it's constantly rebuilding. I mean, if we don't if we look back at when Coach Napier first came in, it was uh, we went. What I think it was seven and seven, seven and his seven. first year, yep. right? Um, and and what this year they went six and seven, huh? Correct. Okay, so you know it's kind of kind of similar to what what um, Coach Neighbor did, man. And then that, that that second year is when he turned it around. We went uh, that was a ten and three team, mm-hmm. correct? And then we had the eleven and one with the COVID year, and then we went thirteen and one. So I think, man, um, all Coach Dares needs is a little time. You know, it's hard to build a program. You don't you can't just get in the program and then all those expect to win, right, especially when you got to recruit your own guys and all the guys that were there left. And not just not just uh, talking about players. You know, you got a lot of key coaches that also left as well. So Coach, Coach Dez has to rebuild an entire football team and a staff, um, you know, and that's kind of tough. I think he needs a couple of years, but I can see the future is bright, man. I've been kind of keeping up. I'm always uh, keeping up with the cages and, and kind of looking on Twitter and seeing recruits, and I think the future is extremely bright. They got a great staff. Uh, coach Noah is a great offensive line coach, and I think uh, they're going to do great things, man. Talk about your your time with STM. You know, assistant O line coach, wrestling coach as well. Uh, talk about the work uh, you're doing over there with the Cougars. Man, I absolutely love it, man. I, uh, when I finished playing in 21, I, I left, and I actually was one of the guys who left and went with Coach Napier to the University of Florida. Um, and you know, I kind of thought that college football was what I wanted to do, and then. I got to experience it, and I realized that's not what I wanted to do. I kind of I wanted a life. I wanted to be able to, you know, cook and and kind of still be able to do things um, and not be, you know, tied down with just football. Um, so when I came home, man, I you know I had a, I had a 
good bit of job offers to a bunch of high schools and you know, STM's been talking to me since I got out of high school and um, you know, I just I thought I would give them a chance. I, Marty Cannon is the principal there and he's he's a former Raging Cajun offensive lineman as well. Um and I thought, you know, I had an interview with these guys and then I really fell in love with the program and man, it's I just made an entire year with them and it's been it's 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 probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. I, I love everything about it. Um, coaching that team, you know, we just won a state championship this year, but you know, it's it's those guys just 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 work relentlessly, man. They just get after it and they they want to get better. They want to be coached, and that's all you can ask for as a coach, is man. Just having a group of kids who are not the not the most talented, but want to be coached and, and, and takes your coaching, and, and that's the best part about uh, coaching at STM. I had a great group off the line linemen that man just wants to be coached and wants to get better each day. Shane Vallow joining us here on Crunch Time. Now, Shane, talk to me about the, the catering business. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. There, there are some days I don't want to follow you on social media anymore because you're making me hungry, my man. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, man, the catering business is going great, man. So when I also when I got back from Florida, man, I, I kind of started cooking a little bit more. And, you know, my dream was to always um, to open up a, a restaurant one day or open up some type of business Well. I had a food truck for for a little while, and you know, um, I kind of parted ways with the with my co-owner that I was with. Uh, I didn't like the way things were going, so you know, I kind of got out of that. And um, man, so I, I, I for a second, I kind of just wanted to just say, you know what, I I don't want to cook anymore. I just want to focus on coaching and all. But you know, other people had uh, my mom, and my family had different plans for me, and they was like, man, don't, I wouldn't give it up. So I opened up my catering business last August. Um, and, man, I, at first I thought it was going to be more of a part-time deal where, you know, I just kind of do events and stuff on the weekend. But, man, it extremely uh, – it blew up extreme, man. And, and you know, I think STM, because they, they kind of, like, boosted it off for me. I have a lot of customers through STM. and um, But, man, it's, it's, it took a took a toll. Now it's becoming a full-time job. It, it's it's um it's definitely blew up way more than I thought it would. And, man, it's just it's getting better and better. I'm opening up a um, – a storefront, which would be a cafe and still doing catering uh, out there on Penhook. And, man, it's it's kind of a dream come true. You know, I never thought it would, it would happen this fast, and but it's, it's, it's definitely a dream come true, and I'm excited for it, man. Now, if people have an event coming up and, and they want to get in touch with you to cater it, how do they do that? So, man, if, if you got an event coming up, man, we have a website. I just got a website built by uh, a former Raging Cajun uh, uh, kicker, um, his name is Ian Thompson. He owns uh, a Hacker Media, Hacker Media uh, website, and he built my website, man. It's it's fantastic. We just he just built it about two months ago, and it's a beautiful website. It it, it has all the details you need. It's it's www.sasteboncatering.com, and man, if you just go in there, you can ask you can ask any question you want. You can do um, you can order online. You can book events on there. Um, we got a full menu where you can order food on there. And if you even want to um, contact me or my receptionist, man, our number is 337-561-1039. Or you can email us or go on the website, which is uh, our email is info at com. But you can just go on our website and you can get through, uh, you can get our contact information all through the website. Now, Shane, tell us, a, just give a little bit of a preview of the menu because I've seen a little bit sometimes on your stories or, on social media in general, it's like, man, it looks so good. But, like, just give a little bit of a preview. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, our menu is going to be a variety of a lot, man. You know, I I, I'm a, I, I like to eat. Of course, I'm an office lineman. But I'm a, I'm a guy where, man, I, you go to these restaurants and some people, you know, some restaurants have just strictly uh, one item, not one item, but one, 
category where you're serving burgers and fries and you got nothing else. You go to one restaurant, you got just free lunches. So I'm doing a little variety of everything, man. We're going to have uh, our homemade burgers. We're going to have our homemade loaded fries uh, that are home-cut in-house. We'll have plate lunches. We'll have uh, po' boys. We'll have wraps. We'll have salads for people who want to eat healthy. We'll have vegan items. And we're going to do a little bit of everything. And then we'll also have a special each week of uh, a certain item that we'll just throw out there as a special that'll be uh it could be a variety of anything man it could be it could be literally anything uh, you can think of but man we're, we're doing a variety of everything and that's the same thing for our catering man we just do a variety of everything that's not a thing that somebody has asked us that we couldn't do yet so man we you know even though we have a menu for catering we're all over the place but our, i'm excited about we did a, a taste test yesterday um, a taste of our menu, and man, I'm really excited about what we're gonna uh, what we're gonna bring to the Lafayette area, man. I think it's a variety of of all. It's not just your your one little burger joint or your fry joint. It's, it's a little bit of everything. So I'm really excited about it. Shane Vallow, former UL offensive lineman and owner of Sasebon Catering, joining us here on Crunch Time. Shane, appreciate your time as always. Uh, best of luck with coaching and the business, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a good one. And there you go, Shane Vallow. 5-14 here on this Tuesday, what feels like a Monday. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Just a couple of top stories to, to go through uh, after a wild weekend for NASCAR where races were delayed several times. Ryan Blaney snaps his 59-race losing streak by winning the Coca-Cola 600. But the storyline today from that race is NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, has been suspended for one race by NASCAR for intentionally wrecking Denny Hamlin yesterday afternoon in Charlotte. Uh, The five-time most popular driver and former cup champion, was ruled that he deliberately wrecked Denny Hamlin, and according to Hendrick Motorsports, they will not appeal the suspension, and Corey LaJoy will replace Elliott in the number 9 car this weekend at the Gateway Speedway outside of St. Louis. Um, Not a good look, James, for most popular driver in the sport. Right, I mean, that's just... That's just tough. Elliott has since denied deliberately crashing his into Denny Hamlin. Mm. Um, but this the, the one thing to, to keep an eye on here is you have to win a race or finish in the top 16 in the points to be eligible for the playoffs in NASCAR. This will now be Chase Elliott's seventh race that he misses. He missed an extended period of time because he broke his leg in a snowboarding accident at the beginning of the season. Right. And now he's going to be suspended for this race. The other thing is, is if you're suspended... Unless you get a waiver approved by NASCAR, you are ineligible for the playoffs. Now, NASCAR has granted that waiver to drivers in the past, but will they grant it to Chase Elliott? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, But no, definitely not good news for Hendrick Motorsports and the number 9 team in terms of the NASCAR circuit. Meanwhile, the... NFL internet is still buzzing about John Gruden being in New Orleans last week. People, I've seen some people say, man, why are the Saints hiring John Gruden? First of all, 
Nobody said that the Saints were hiring John Gruden. John Gruden was solely in New Orleans to help the Saints with Derek Carr. John Gruden simply offered his services to help both his former quarterback and the New Orleans Saints acclimate. Make the transition a little bit easier. They're not hiring John Gruden. I don't think John Gruden even wants to get back into coaching. Ah, sorry, my knee jerked. Right. <laughs> I, a I, lot of people on Twitter. I just, the, I, I think the guy is perfectly set being the... Just chilling at this point. Quarterback, guru, analyst, whatever you want to call him. Right, because remember, when he was working at ESPN... What was a lot that he did He's, when we were doing the draft process he, he before we got down, to the draft? He broke down film with draft eligible QBs. Right. So it's like, is it really all, a bad thing? All he was doing was helping out the Saints. Giving a couple pointers. God chill. God forbid the man have a heart. I mean, just because he's in New Orleans doesn't mean we're, we're automatically firing Dennis Allen and making John Gruden the next head coach. Which, by the way... Or, hire, or hiring Gruden as and, the QB's coach. And this is coming from a guy that is not a fan of Dennis Allen. That would not be a great move. But, I digress. 518, we'll take a timeout here. When we return, we'll continue the conversation. Talking about the MLB, we'll look at the Astros. We'll look at some scores around the league and much more. Plus, your calls on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're a little low on cash, the game can help with the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of the Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 522. Matt Miguez, James Mash, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. James, we talked earlier about the NCAA baseball tournament. And there there are some people that are a little fired up about Kentucky being a host site. And the reason for that is there is supposedly a country music festival happening near Lexington this weekend, the Railbird Music Festival. And then also there are several Kentucky high school state championships going on in the city as well. Right. So it's going to be going to be really busy in that area. So not everyone's going to be able to go and watch the regional. So 
the capacity may be a lot lower because of all the other traffic in the area. So here's what's going to be interesting. The Railbird Music Festival drew an estimated 70,000 people back in 2021. Okay. With the exception of the Kentucky High School State Baseball Tournament, the NCAA Tournament at the University of Kentucky, the Railbird Music Festival, and the Kentucky Football Sunday Showcase are all happening within a two-mile radius of each other. So, parking is going to be a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. General traffic is going to be a nightmare. But then here's where the big problem lies. Where are all these people going to stay? Every hotel is booked. Every hotel within an hour of... I read earlier, every hotel within an hour of Lexington is full. You better find some friends in Lexington. So now, the University of Kentucky has said, look... We we got open dorms. We have three teams that need somewhere to stay. Here's our dorms. Which, in theory, is not a bad idea. It's not the worst. Because in today's... with, With today's dormitories... You can fit four athletes into one because there's there's two rooms yeah. and a shared bathroom. So and you got bunk fit, You could fit four guys into a pod, if you will. Right. So and baseball doesn't take up the most for space wise. It kind of works. But here's the part that's mind boggling to me. Dorms aren't always the nicest. The beds aren't always. The comfiest, this, that, and the other, correct? Depending on the dorm, it may not be the cleanest. The University of Kentucky is charging these teams $93 a night for... So we we talked about the pods holding four athletes, right? Right. One half of the room, two players, $93. $185 for the set. They said, look, if we don't win the tournament, at least we got a quick buck out of it. That's $1,000 <laughs> a night for a team just for the players. That doesn't count coaches, support staff, families. Yikes! That's a, that is very, very suboptimal. Now, if you're Kentucky... I mean, no, no harm, no foul to you. You're going to go back to your house. You're going to sleep in your own bed. Everything's going to be fine. But this is brutal for the other three schools in this tournament. Those three schools being Ball State, West Virginia, and Indiana. But this isn't the first time that, that something like this has happened. And obviously... This went into whether or not Kentucky would host. Because the logistics of it all plays into it, right? You have to be able, in order to host the NCAA tournament or even a regional of the NCAA tournament, you have to be able to hold the amount of people and traffic that it's going to bring in. The logistics of it all is is a real thing. 
but I, I almost start to wonder how close the committee was to saying there's no way Kentucky can host because of everything else going on around them. Right? Now, what I'm interested to see is how this affects the play on the field, if at all. Because again, the beds are not that comfy. Everything's going to be kind of cramped. That is not going to be comfortable for some six foot to six foot six college athletes. Are they providing breakfast? I didn't read that far into it. <laughs> I can't answer that question for you. Like that's an, that's another legitimate question. Uh, like, but are I, they going to have to leave and go into the hell absolutely. that is going to be traffic in Lexington and go find like a McDonald's breakfast? Or or, or is campus going to feed them? Like, is that going to be part of the ninety three dollars? Because if that's the case, then that's one thing. Yeah, like, are you going to provide the meals, or are you are we only getting somewhat running water and a bed? But but if I've got to trek my way back to the nearest Burger King or whatever to to buy fifty double cheeseburgers, well then we we're going to have a little bit of a problem. I I just find it wild. That, and I get it. You got to make money. It's a business. I was going to say, I mean. I get it. But I find it wild that you were going to charge these teams the price of a hotel room to stay in a dorm. That's just. That's, that's Monopoly for you. That's, who, that's, who else in the area is offering it? Oh, that's a little wild. Hey, quick buck, huh? Looking at some of the regional matchups, uh, some of the ones that jump out, Tuscaloosa is an interesting regional. Alabama, the 16 overall seed. They'll play Nichols, Boston College, and Troy, the other two teams in that slot. How about Campbell not hosting? Uh, they are in the Columbia Regional with South Carolina, Central Connecticut, and NC State. I'm going to tell you right now, James, I think Campbell wins that regional. They're going to be ticked off. They are going to be ready to play. And quite honestly, I think Campbell's a better team than South Carolina. I said it. I think Campbell's a better team. So I think Campbell comes out of that regional. Coastal Carolina's hosting Duke, UNCW, and Ryder. I think Coastal comes out of that one. Uh, the Nashville Regional is intriguing. Vanderbilt, Eastern Illinois, Oregon, and Xavier. If Vanderbilt slips up, which they have a time or two this season, things could get very interesting. Oregon's good. Xavier's good. I would not be surprised if Vanderbilt does not come out of that regional. They're still my pick to come out of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Uh, the Lexington Regional, obviously we talked about that one a second ago. The other one is Clemson. So you have Clemson, obviously, hosting the regional. They're the number four overall seed. They will play Lipscomb. I mean, congrats. You, you made it to the field of 64. Uh, but but your, your run is going to be short-lived in South Carolina. But then the other two teams. We talked about Charlotte earlier winning Conference USA, stealing a bid from other at-large opponents. 
And then there's Tennessee. The same Tennessee team, minus a couple of players, but the same Tennessee team that was the number one overall seed a year ago. Tony Vitello's got a good thing going on in Knoxville. There's going to be a lot of orange over there in Clemson. And I think Clemson and Tennessee are going to put together some legendary baseball this weekend. And honestly, I couldn't give you a pick who comes out of that one. But my last pick that I'm going to make, the Auburn Regional. Look, congrats to Auburn. They're hosting. They're one of the top teams in college baseball. I get it. All that's fine and dandy. Southern Miss is winning that regional. Southern Miss is one of the best teams in the country. They've proven it time and time again. And they will come out of the Auburn Regional and advance to a Super. I'll eat my crow if I'm wrong. But the Eagles and Scott Barry's last, they're playing for a lot more than just baseball. Scott Barry's last year as their head coach, Southern Miss will advance to a Super Regional. 532, we'll take a timeout. When we return, we're going to the moon with our guy Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU. Can the Astros get a win tonight in Minute Maid Park? We'll do that next. Fly me to the moon. That's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. Looking up. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. Minkas and Nash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU joining us here for To the Moon. Brian, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, man. Just recovering after a long weekend. How, how's everybody doing over there? Oh, fantastic. Much of, much of the same. Uh, today feels like the most Monday Tuesday ever, right? I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it feels like Monday. Crazy. So, so you know... Let's start with yesterday's game, 7-5 to five in 10 innings. They fall to the Minnesota Twins. I don't think that this was a game where the Astros necessarily played poorly. Uh, you got a six-inning, eight-strikeout performance out of J.P. France. Everybody else gave you uh, you know, a solid inning apiece. Uh, one thing I don't like is that Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena combined to go 0-8 for 8 at the plate. Yeah, I think there's two things in that game that you won't see very often, and that's one of them being Jeremy Pena and Jordan both going to combine over eight, and then Ryan Pressing and Brian Abreu giving up the save and also giving up the game. Two things that you won't, you probably won't see again this season. Yeah, you know, th- that's another thing that that I wanted to get to. You talked about Presley and Abreu, two guys that have been very consistent in coming in and, and shutting things down. But you gave up a two-run homer in the 10th, and things just kind of went haywire for the Astros. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like when you look at this Astros bullpen, you know, Phil Maton has been really good. Seth Martinez has been really good. Hector Neris is having a phenomenal season. I think he's got a little over a 1.1 ERA. And then the two back-end guys in Brian Abreu and Ryan Presley have been pretty much lights out for the most of the season. And yesterday, it's it's crazy to think that these guys are human just because of how well they pitch at the back end of that bullpen. But look, it's it's what we're June is a couple of days away. It's a May series on a holiday. I mean, things happen. It's baseball. 
you chalk it up, it is what it is, and you got to move forward. But it's just, like I said, man, it's just crazy to think about how good they've been, and then they one blows the save, and then one gives up the bomb in extra innings, and then next thing you know, they lose. Well, you know, one one positive that we can take away from this game, Brian, is Jose Altuve is back. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, any any time you're in a situation where you're down 4-1 to one and Jose Altuve steps up with the bases loaded, you have to feel pretty good about it. And, and he delivered with a grand slam yesterday that, that put you ahead 5-4. to four. Uh, Talk about how important it's going to be down the stretch here as you get into the dog days of summer that Jose Altuve is back and he's rolling. Well, I think just so far, you know, what we've seen throughout his career is that he's got the flair for the dramatic, whether it's in, you know, April, May, or October, November, any kind of big spot that Jose Altuve finds himself in, he most likely and usually delivers. And then when you talk about down the stretch, especially if, if they don't get Michael Brantley back anytime soon and they're going to take their time with that, he's a huge part of this offense, and you were just waiting for him to come back. Mauricio Dubon did, did amazing things in that leadoff spot for uh, – this club especially with Altuve being back but now or being out but now that you've got Altuve back yeah he's Jose Altuve he's a future Hall of Famer he's one of the greatest Astros to ever play in that uniform so for him to be at the top of this lineup set the pace for the guys it's huge man I can't I can't state that enough you know we we talked about Jordan being 0 for 4 yesterday but let's not slip away from the fact that on May 30th he is 36th in the league in batting average he is tied for sixth in the league in homers. He is second in the league in RBIs, and he's third in the league in OPS. Jordan Alvarez is having a MVP-type start to the season. Yeah, and, and the only reason that batting average has dropped is just because he's you know had a couple of games where he's gone over. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, what we talked about last week on one of our podcasts on for Apollo HOU is uh, the Beyond the Diamond podcast is like he's been top five, top ten in every offensive category, and now he's dropped a little bit. But you know, when you talk about greatest hitters in baseball right now, he's top three in my opinion. You got some other guys. Aaron Judge is having another phenomenal, uh, phenomenal year. He hit two bombs yesterday. But Jordan, man, is is um, his slugging percentage, his OPS, the RBIs. He's on pace right now. I think for like 140-something RBIs. Like, it's insane. He's probably getting, he's definitely going to get over 100, probably end up around 130 or so, and that's just it's wild to think about. He just continues to be one of the most dominant hitters in the game, and all you can say is thank you, Los Angeles Dodgers, for making that trade. Yeah, absolutely. Who, who, who the hell is Josh Fields, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, who is Josh Fields? But no, you, you talked about his average. If you look at his last five games, he's gone hitless in four of them. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah, one the one being the two home run performance in Oakland on Sunday. Right. Every time he goes to Oakland, he's going to hit a home run. Like it just it's it is what it is. Like it is what it is at this point. Every time Jordan Alvarez plays in Oakland, he hits a tank. So we saw it again with two bombs. Let's talk about the pitching now. You know, we talked about JP France going six innings yesterday with eight strikeouts. Hunter Brown has just been on another level to start this season. Uh, Framber's doing a, a, a lot of Framber Valdez things. And then Christian Javier. Um, I, I hate to pose the question like this, but is it safe to say that the Astros are not missing Justin Verlander? Um, I think, I mean, 
with the way that the guys have pitched so far, and this is a, a rotation that doesn't have Jose Arquiti right now. They don't have uh, Luis Garcia. You've got guys like J.P. France, Brandon Belak. Um, do they are they not missing him? I would say no. But then, of course, you always want a guy like Justin Verlander because it just makes that rotation so much deeper. But even when Justin Verlander signed with the Mets, I knew, and I think a lot of people knew, that he was not going to come back to Houston just because of the money aspect. And you knew with the way that this rotation was set up with Fromber as the ace, then Christian Javier, and then we were all going to assume that Lance McCullers was going to be in that number three spot. They still don't have him. He's not even throwing off of a mound anymore. He's just off of flat ground. So who knows when that dude is going to be uh, ready to ramp back up and get back into this rotation. But these guys that are in this rotation now – and Framber, Christian, um, and then when you had Arquiti and Luis Garcia when this season started, those four have so, have so much experience since 2018 or so, 2019, high leverage games, high, uh, you know, high stress situations. You felt pretty good in, without Justin Verlander. And now with the emergence of Hunter Brown, J.P. France has thrown well in pretty much all of the starts except for maybe one. You need a deep start from Brandon Belak tonight because you've got uh, Hector Neris and Ryan Presley probably going to be unavailable. They pitched three out of the last four days, and Brian Abreu pitched 21 pitches yesterday and gone two out of the last three. So now it's going to be Brandon Belak time to step up and get get you through at least six. So we'll see. Chatting with Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 here on to the moon now when you look at the Astros, they've got their next six games at home. Uh, the first one being yesterday. How critical is it going to be after coming off of a six-game road trip to be home for the week, sleep in your own bed, go through your own routine in terms of you know getting, getting acclimated again to, you know in Jose Altuve's case, getting back into a daily playing situation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always good to come off of that road trip um, and just to get back home. It's such a a good feeling just being here back in the city, plus playing in front of these fans. I mean, they're averaging like 38, 39,000 every single game. It's, it's insane what this fan base is doing for this team so far. There, I think there was a day game two weeks ago where they had 35,000 plus on a start time of 110 in the middle of the week, like a gentleman's Tuesday or gentleman's Wednesday or whatever they call it. It's crazy. Um, so just getting back home, Getting, you know, playing in front of the faithful uh, at Minute Maid Park, playing well. You got to get back into the series tonight against the Twins. Then you welcome in, I believe it's the Angels, correct? Do you correct. have that right in front of you? Yeah, it's the Angels this weekend, four game yeah. series. So, yeah, so then you're going to welcome in the Angels, which Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. So yeah, it's a good thing being back home. Now, looking at tonight's lineup Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, Abreu, Jolks, McCormick, Salazar. Uh, is the Salazar move strictly to give Maldonado and Diaz a, a night off? Yeah, it's got to be. We knew we knew when Salazar made this team that he was going to be in a specific uh, platoon role of give guys nights off, and I think that's 100% what it is. Now, lo- looking ahead to the rest of the week, we talked about Brandon Belak going tonight. You You said that you were hoping to get six out of him. Tomorrow night, though, is going to be Hunter Brown's game against Minnesota before a great matchup on Thursday with Framber Valdez and Reed Detmers. You know, just kind of talk about the pitching matchups for for the Astros and how they kind of 
you know, have the advantage here, I guess you could say, with Minnesota before you get into some really tough pitching matchups with the Angels? Well, if you've got uh, you've got Belak tonight, if you can get six or seven strong from him, and you give your relievers more time off since they've thrown three out of the last four, two out of the last three, and then Hunter Brown, if he can continue to pitch lights out like we've seen and get you, I don't know, eight, and then it sets up for Fromber because we know Fromber. Frommer, Frommer's last outing was a complete game shutout. He threw nine. So if you can get seven or eight from him, it just sets you up perfectly. It gets you more m- momentum going into the weekend Angel series. Plus, you're playing at home. It just sets up everything nicely to go win more and more series. Uh, Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 joining us here on Crunch Time for To the Moon Tuesdays. Brian, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy the game tonight. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Awesome, man. Always appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And there he goes, Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU and Sports Talk 790 in Houston, Texas. The Astros 710 tonight. Brandon Belak going for the Astros. Pre-game is at 640, and you can hear it right here on the game. We'll go ahead and take a timeout. When we return, we'll wrap up today's show, get you set for Astro launch at 640 right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the Ultimate Man Cave Makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So as we wrap up today's show, you know we love our guy Ross Jackson over in New Orleans. He does an incredible job covering the New Orleans Saints. If you listen to this tweet talking about today's OTAs, it's kind of going to make you take a step back for a moment. Saints tight end Foster Moreau, wide receiver Rashid Shahid, and wide receiver Brian Edwards flashed on offense today. Okay, that's fair. Brian Edwards is a little surprising, but fine. Defensively, cornerback Troy Pride, linebacker Zach Bond, and linebacker Adrian Fry each made some nice plays. What? I know who Zach Bond is. We've been waiting for Zach Bond to try and flash and try and make a name for himself on the defense. I know who Adrian Fry is. He's the undrafted linebacker out of Texas Tech. Troy Pride? Yeah, he's been on the roster. He he, he must have been way, way down there. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard that name before. Yeah, he's been on there. He's been on the roster before, for sure. The more you know. The more you know. Look, you know, as we we start to wrap up today's show, 
James the Astros tonight looking to bounce back off of an extra innings loss against Minnesota. Do they get back on the right track tonight with Brandon Belak on the mound? Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough matchup since Belak hasn't had the greatest of starts. And then having to go against Twins pitcher, he's 7-1 and one on the season so far. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because, I mean, I remember last week, or the week before in an earlier matchup, I, I was seeing the records for pitchers against the Astros, and one of them I think was like 0-4 or whatever, and you're like, okay, well, the guy that we're rocking with, I think it was like Hunter Brown or whoever, it was right, like right. they had a really good record, and Astros I think got swept Yeah, in yeah, that game. That's baseball for you. So it's like I can't really look at the records. I think they end up tying the series tonight. Bottom of the second, the Rangers lead the Tigers 1-0. to nothing. Bottom of the first, scoreless between the Padres and the Marlins. Once again, the Astros are 7-10 tonight. Astro launch beginning at 640 right here on the game. I want to thank our guest today, Jay Walker, talking all things Rage and Cajuns. Shane Vallow came on to talk Cajuns football as well as promote his new business. And then Brian Lalima joining us for To the Moon. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk Tulane Green Wave. We'll also talk about the Texas Longhorns, both opponents for LSU and UL on Friday afternoon. For James Mesh, I'm at Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. And we're back tomorrow, four to six, right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. <laughs>